feeling the pressure put, I'm in control Learning the business, I'm putting the work and I'm ready to go And if you're scared, don't be Just listen to Tony What's going on, guys? Welcome into the show once again. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 135 of the podcast, so great to have you in today. Today, guys, I want to talk about mental toughness, and more specifically, as the title states, six ways to stay mentally strong. Now, mental toughness is one of those topics that I feel like in this day and age, it's going to become more and more important. When we talk about mental health, when we talk about you know, a lot of those emotional struggles that so many people deal with, and that in my opinion, we all do at some level, I think that it should, it rightfully should get to be a much more prominent topic in our society because it's one that quite frankly, in my opinion, in the past has not really been uh, talked about enough. It hasn't been emphasized enough. And so I think that the conversation around mental health has to improve and it has to start to kind of dissipate some of that stigma and some of those misconceptions and stereotypes around mental health. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how you can stay mentally strong and just some simple things and little habits that you can apply into your life to help improve your mental health, whether it's bad to try to make it a little bit better And if it's good to keep it that way, because as I've learned, mental health is something that you have to deal with every day. And so you have good days, you have bad days. Sometimes you're going to feel really good. Things are going to go well. You're going to be in a good mood. And then there are going to be other days where you're just not feeling it or something happens and it makes you feel bad and it just kind of snowballs and it can really get to a dangerous place. So let's start with point number one. And this is write down three things you're grateful for each and every day. This is something that I have done continuously. And I can tell you that it does help a lot to try to steer you in the right direction, to keep you focused. Because we all have days where we feel overwhelmed with all sorts of different stuff from work, finances, relationships, and it's normal to go through issues. And I've talked about that a lot. You're going to have issues. That's that's inevitable and it happens to everyone. But how do you bounce back or how long do you stay in those issues? And so when we talk about gratitude, I often use this concept that I learned from Gary Vee where he talks about a mental exercise that he does every day. And especially when things get bad, where he literally imagines a scenario where he gets a phone call saying that his wife died, that his kid passed away, that his mom got cancer, like all these really terrible scenarios. And he really mentally, he puts himself there and he allows himself to feel that anguish. And then when he comes out of it and realizes that that didn't happen, the only thing you can feel is gratitude. There really is no space for anything else. Because the reality of the situation, guys, is that those terrible scenarios are going to happen to somebody today. They happened to somebody yesterday. They're going to happen to somebody tomorrow. And we don't really control entirely when that's going to happen to us. And so having that 
and I know that for a lot of folks, it might seem like something dark. And I've even heard it said that you don't want to manifest that. You don't want to think about it. But for me, it really has helped kind of put into perspective what is important and what is not. Because if I were to get a phone call like that, all of a sudden that thing that I'm stressed about, that project at work or that deal or that thing somebody said, it no longer matters, right? It doesn't matter. It becomes completely irrelevant. And so for me, that's been a mental exercise that has really allowed me to stay grateful even when I find myself complaining, which I try not to do, but just human nature, we all tend to voice our opinion and we find ourselves complaining. But when I find myself complaining, I try to really quickly find some way to kind of get me back to gratitude and just focus on what I have while at the same time working to improve the things that have to improve because we also can't be naive and just ignore the issues. The issues are very real. But when it comes to mental health, I think that we have to find a healthy way of attacking those without allowing them to really bring us down. So point number one is to every day, just write down three things that you're grateful for, whether that's on your phone, in a notebook, wherever the case may be. I did a challenge on Twitter where every day for 45 days, I tweeted something that I was grateful for. I pinned that to my profile. And so that was there for a couple of years, actually. And so whenever I was having a bad day, I would go into Twitter and look at my gratitude list. And it really, really did help because we're all so much more blessed than sometimes our stress allows us to see. And when you have that list or when you have that place where you can write it down, it's really easy to come back and just take a glance at that and feel grateful. And it really helps minimize sometimes the self-imposed stress that we deal with when we're having issues. So that's point number one. Point number two, and this is a big one, especially on social media, guys, but it's never argue with strangers. I'm very selective over who I argue with. Very selective. And if I argue with you, it's because I actually care about you. Because there's there is no fruitful benefit to arguing with strangers. There's really not. And I say that when we're talking about arguing personally, and it's even worse when we're arguing on social media. Like that's just a complete waste of time. Now, here's the thing. There's a distinction here. It says never argue with strangers. Never argue. But I debate and I have conversations with strangers all the time, especially now with like Clubhouse being cool and stuff like that. It makes it much easier to have meaningful conversations. But when you're talking about arguing, I feel like the difference is when you're arguing, you're not trying to learn anything. You're just trying to beat the other person down or you're trying to prove your point or prove them wrong, or it, it comes from a negative place. But what I have found a lot of value in is having fruitful conversations with strangers, even when we disagree. But it all comes down to what is what is the root, right? Are you trying to learn or are you trying to impose? Do you have a good intention or a bad intention? So never argue with strangers because you're wasting your time. It brings negativity into your life. And at the end of the day, guys, there's people that you don't know. If you're really arguing with Sally Pants 94, like what are you going to accomplish? Absolutely nothing. Versus, yes, finding communities and finding people to have meaningful conversations with where you can actually learn. So that's point number two. Never argue with strangers. Point number three, take things one step at a time. Slow down. 
And for a lot of people, it might be weird to hear me say this because I'm always talking about speed, right? You got to move, you got to do, you got to hustle, you got to work, you got to be there, you got to not let up, but one thing at a time. I've had a lot of conversations with new entrepreneurs lately that I'm coaching to try to help them build their thing. And one of the, the trends that I've noticed is that they get way ahead of themselves, way ahead of themselves, and they make decisions without really thinking things through. And when you're in a business context, that's very dangerous because it can lead to mistakes and those mistakes can be very costly. And sometimes if it's too costly, it can flat out put you out of business. But when we're talking about just mental health, realize that you have to take take a moment, just take a step back and just think about the situation. Really think about it. I have a post on Instagram that has like 90,000 likes where I talk about uh, there's a pause. There's a pause that exists between stimulus and response. There's a pause. So when something happens to you and when you respond, there's a moment in time. Sometimes it's milliseconds, sometimes it's minutes, sometimes it's hours. But there's time there. There's, There's a gap. And so that gap is the key. In my opinion, that gap is where mental toughness is really displayed. Because if you can compartmentalize what is happening around you and really break it down and analyze it objectively and take things just one step at a time, then you're going to be able to do a lot more than if you just allow yourself to feel overwhelmed and try to tackle everything at the same time, which is what most people do. I do this all the time. I'm, I'm a huge victim of this because I have so much going on and I want to kind of fill all these buckets at the same time. And it gets very hard to do, especially in this day and age where hustle and multitasking seems like it's the right thing to do. And without a doubt, there are situations where you're going to have to handle multiple things. But where is your focus? What I found, if I go back to the bucket analogy, instead of trying to drip into multiple buckets at the same time, if I just take the whole faucet and just open it into one bucket and just let it fill and then go to the next bucket, it's way more fruitful than just dripping into all of them at the same time. I get much more done. And so taking things one step at a time allows us to not get so overwhelmed, not get so frustrated, and honestly, do better work. Because at least for me, when I focus on one thing at at a time, I just do better. And I'm more focused and I can have better results than when I'm trying to tackle everything at the exact same time. What's up, guys? This is Ray, Tony's content manager. And I want to take a quick second to tell you about Tony since he won't do it himself. Tony is principal broker of Real Team Realty. He currently sits on the Forbes Magazine Real Estate Council, is a NAREP chapter president, and is the director for business and real estate for the Utah Podcast Coalition. He is also currently nominated for Realtor of the Year in Utah. In other words, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Oh crap, here he comes. Back to the show. All right, guys, moving on to point number four is stop comparing yourself with others and just focus on yourself. This is so hard to do in this day and age. You know, Instagram is great. Social media is great. It's a phenomenal tool. I love it. I advocate for it. It is incredible. It allows you to do so many things. But if you're not careful, it can ruin your mental health. It really, really can. You got to be so careful 
with who you follow, what you consume, who you interact with, the things you see. And the cool thing is that let's talk about your Instagram feed, for example. And this can apply to really any social network, whichever one you you use, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, doesn't matter. But let's take Instagram as an example because I feel like it's the one that most people use uh, in general, which by, by the numbers, it's not bad. It's Facebook by a mile, but you know what I mean. So let's talk about Instagram. When we talk about Instagram, you have your feed, right? And Instagram and any social network tries to put content in front of you that they think you're going to like. And how do they determine what they think you're going to like? Because the intent is for you to stay on the platform so that they can sell ads and they can make money off of your attention. So how do they do this, guys? They simply judge, the algorithm judges what you've interacted with in the past. And so let's say, for example, you you make the mistake of jumping on social media and getting into all these political conversations, right? Where you're commenting and you're commenting and you're interacting with all this content, but they're negative interactions, right? You're arguing and all all this stuff. Well, the algorithm doesn't know that. What the algorithm is going to do is it is going to say, okay, this person is interested in this kind of content. It's content that maybe triggers you, that maybe makes you upset, makes you feel bad, makes you angry. And so you respond out of anger and you get into these Twitter debates or you're putting these Instagram comments. But again, the algorithm doesn't know that. So the algorithm just simply says, okay, so-and-so interacted with this post that talks about this. So therefore they, I assume they like this. So I'm going to give them more of that. Okay. And so what happens over time is that the algorithm thinks it's helping you. The algorithm thinks it's doing what you want it to do by giving you more of that content. So all of a sudden you start to see more and more of that on your feed and it just, it makes you feel worse. I was, I, I interviewed a buddy of mine on my podcast uh, and he quit social media 100%. And the reason why he quit, and then he came back, but he quit because he got into these political conversations and now that was all that he was seeing. So he was of a certain political affiliation and he was interacting with all these posts of a different political affiliation with whom he disagreed. And all of a sudden, the only thing he saw on the feed was posts from people from the other side of the aisle, right? Because that's who he was interacting with. So the algorithm assumed that that's what he wanted to see, that that was what he was interested in. And so it got to the point where he could not open his social media without seeing all these posts and getting triggered. And so the point that I want to make is that you create your feed. You create what you see. And so that's why you got to be very careful with what you consume and with what you interact with and see it from the algorithm's perspective. They want to give you what you want. So if you're smart and you interact with posts that you enjoy, this is why it's so crucial to actually interact with positive people's content. Because if you're just a lurker, right, the algorithm doesn't know what to show you. But if you see content that you enjoy that brings value and you interact with that, you save it, you share it, you put a comment, then the algorithm knows, okay, this is what this person wants. This is what you want. So it's going to give you more of that and it's going to enhance your feed. And so you got to be very smart and very careful with how you manage your social media feeds and make sure that you tell the algorithm what you want by being careful what you interact with. So I think that that is key. Uh, because there's so much 
negativity and then you're going to start comparing yourself to others and just it becomes a very negative mindset. And also the other point that I want to make with that is you have to understand that social media is a highlight reel. It's a highlight reel. It's not a documentary. It's a highlight reel. So what people tend to do is they post their highlights. And so if you then go into there, into social media, and you compare the neighbor's highlights with your worst moments, you're always going to lose. You're always going to lose. And so I make the analogy of, of sports, right? We see sports highlights and you see the best plays of the game. You don't see the worst plays of the game. You don't see the mistakes. You see, whenever you go to see highlights, you want to see the best plays of this game. And so what we tend to do is we tend to compare our mistakes, our worst plays with the neighbor's highlights, their best plays. And we always lose and it makes us feel bad. So you got to be careful. And you just, it really just comes down to having that contextual knowledge that it's a highlight reel. It's not a documentary. So don't compare and just focus on you. Just do the best you can put out positivity in whatever form that takes for you and work hard to build the kind of feed that will give you what you want to see. Next, we have celebrate your successes more often. Why is it so hard for us to celebrate our successes? Now, I want to be careful here because you got to maintain balance, right? Balance is super key. There are people that over-celebrate their successes or they celebrate just to celebrate and there's really no successes behind it. But then there's the other side that never really take a second to feel, as we talked about previously, to feel grateful and to really celebrate when something good happens. And I've had a lot of conversations with people that are like that. And the argument that they always make is, oh, it's because I don't want to get too comfortable. I don't want to celebrate something because then that's going to rob me of my hunger. And for me, it's been the complete opposite. I've taken trips before to celebrate wins and stuff. And for me, it doesn't keep me comfortable. If anything, it motivates me to want to keep working so that I can keep doing those things and do more, right? So taking a second to just love yourself, congratulate yourself, the people in your life when you have a win, I think is super important. And But again, you can't dwell there forever. You can't just blow it. You got to acknowledge it, enjoy it, really, really uh, feel the fruits of your labor, and then get back to work. So next we have What's probably one of my favorite ones, honestly, one of the ones that has helped me the most, I would say, is asking yourself what advice you'd give a friend. Most of us are very good at giving advice, me in particular. We're very good at giving advice, but then we're not good at taking that same advice and applying it to ourselves. So when I have a tough situation, sometimes I'll ask myself, you know, if somebody else was having this situation and they asked me about it, what would I tell them to do? Because and some of you guys may or may not know this, but I'm, I'm the oldest of four. So being the oldest of four, I was the problem solver in my household. And so I've always been inclined to problem solve and to try to understand people and resolve issues. And so knowing that, I became very good at giving advice. But we got to be willing to take that advice and so here's where being objective comes in and taking the emotion out and trying to see the situation as if it were happening to somebody else. And what would you advise your best friend? If they were go going through this, what would you say? What would you tell them to do? What's your perspective? And giving that to yourself and then following it. 
because, you know, I give people advice all the time. They don't always take it. And when they don't take it, I feel like if they would have taken it, things would have gone better. That's why I gave you the advice in the first place. But then it's hard for me later to then come back and give myself the same advice that I would give somebody else. And it's interesting. And this is why I, you know, I love this topic of psychology because at least for me, it's like, it's like a duality. It's like a dual identity where I know what my advice is. I know, like I've gotten so good at this that I know what I would tell somebody else and I have it in my head. But then the other part of me sometimes just chooses not to do it. But it's not like it's not there. So it's this weird psychological duality that goes on where I know the answer, but then there's this other thing that chooses if they want, if he wants to take that or not. So asking yourself what advice you'd, you'd give to a friend I think is critical. And it has really helped me keep my uh, mental toughness and improve it, to be honest, because it's in those moments where my mental strength could diminish or it could break altogether that when I use these tools, it helps me stay there, if you will. And over time, it's it really is a skill set that over time, it just gets better and better. So with that being said, guys, I hope that these six tips to stay mentally strong have helped share this, pass it on, because again, mental health is so critical in this day and age. We have to talk more about it. We have to destigmatize it and we have to help people that are struggling with these issues. And in most cases, it might even be us.